We're back on another episode of the Auburn Undercover podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Approaching the end of a week where we've got no more football. The NFL season obviously ended on Sunday with the Super Bowl. A couple of Auburn players, Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean, got their first Super Bowl rings with the Buccaneers. John Franklin III also got one. That's something that's been pointed out to me a lot this week is that JF3, the former Auburn quarterback, um, was also a practice squad player for the Bucks this year. I'm not entirely sure how that works. Do practice squad players get Super Bowl rings? Because otherwise, that's, I mean, if they do, that's a lot of rings. I mean, they have enough money for it. Anyway, Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean um, got their rings with the Buccaneers. Buccaneers obviously destroyed the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And so football season is officially over until the NFL and college football ramp things up in the fall. Not to worry, though, because Auburn basketball is still doing its thing. Got six games left now of the SEC schedule and the Diamond Sports, which is what we're going to get into a little bit today. The Diamond Sports are on their way back. Auburn baseball, obviously, and Auburn softball, both are ready to play their spring seasons after, obviously, they were cut short. I don't know how many games they both played, but I know it was only a few games they were able to get played before Obviously, COVID came in last March and shut down the season for both of them. So we've got, you know, football might be over, but today we're going to be able to talk about three different sports, going to talk about basketball. Um, We'll bring in Philip Marshall from AuburnUndercover.com, who is our resident softball expert. He's excited to get um, covering Mickey Dean's team. We'll talk a little bit Auburn softball, and then obviously we always make room for some Auburn football. So I think last time at the beginning of the week, um, we talked about possibly a, an easy road ahead for Auburn basketball, at least in its next three games that it had after losing to Baylor. Um, you know, Baylor, obviously a tough out. Nobody really expected Auburn to come within single digits in that game. They played okay. And then they got back and played three straight games that we knew they were going to be favored. And you had Georgia and you had Ole Miss both at home. And then you had Vanderbilt, the last place team in the conference on the road. So you kind of looked at that stretch and said, okay, Auburn has a chance to win seven out of eight, seven out of their last eight SEC games heading into a pretty brutal final six games of the season. And obviously that didn't go as planned for Bruce Pearl's team. Obviously they dropped both of their home games, losing to Georgia, probably their worst overall defensive performance of the season in terms of just inconsistency and and 54 points in the paint for Georgia and I believe 24 layup attempts and then the heartbreaker on Saturday they lost to Ole Miss obviously Auburn fans are going to be very excited that a guy named Devontae Shuler is no longer going to be playing for Ole Miss after this season because he's been a killer for Auburn the last few seasons and really Kermit Davis has been a phenomenal coach Um, kind of in the same way that Bruce has Rick Barnes number at Tennessee that he's always able to coach really well against him. It always seems like Kermit Davis knows what he's doing when he goes up against Bruce Pearl's team. So, but Auburn was able to get back in the win column, was able to stop that three game losing streak with a win as we record this on Wednesday night. So it was a win last night in Nashville, um, beating Vanderbilt, which 
I mean, you expect to win that game, and it didn't look like it was going to necessarily go as planned there in the first half. Auburn only scored 23 points at halftime. The teams were shooting like a combined 23, 24% from the field. It was really, really ugly basketball um, if you tuned in and watched it. And then Auburn sort of tuned itself up and figured things out in the second half. Jamal Johnson had 19 points. He had five three-pointers. He was the only consistent offense for Auburn throughout the game. Um, But Sharif Cooper sort of took over in the second half. This was a really big matchup for him going against Scottie Pippen Jr. because we've talked about it on this show before that I I think, and then if you just look at the numbers, even, you know, the the basic numbers, kind of the surface level stuff, and then obviously the advanced statistics that uh, Cooper and Scottie Pippen Jr. are the best point guards in the SEC right now. And so I don't think that was something that Sharif was necessarily keyed in on and, and worried about going into this game, but still people were going to look at this and say, okay, well, these, these might be the two guys vying for the first team all SEC slot for point guard. Um, and Sharif Cooper absolutely outplayed Scottie Pippen Jr. Cooper only had one point in the first half, um, but he got way more aggressive in the second half. The whole team overall for Auburn started going downhill in the second half. That, that offense for Auburn is a much better when they're shooting free throws, they shot 18 free throws in the second half, as opposed to only seven in the first half. And Sharif Cooper had 18 points in the second half. And he actually forced Pippen to foul out. Um, he went right at him when Pippen had four fouls, drew an and one. So Pippen only played 24 minutes. He had 12 points, only one assist and four turnovers. Whereas Sharif Cooper had one of the best, one of the most efficient um, passing games in uh for Auburn in a while um he had seven assists and no turnovers it's the first time went back and looked it up this morning um first time in 63 games so you have to go all the way back to when Auburn played Mississippi State in 2019 that was a game in March that Auburn won on the road Jared Harper had nine assists and no turnovers in that game um and then Sharif had seven assists and no turnovers last night so first time for an Auburn player to be able to put up at least seven assists and no turnovers in 63 games, pretty darn good for Sharif Cooper. He goes 10 of 11 from the free throw line. First Pearl, obviously, you know, you, you, they won 73 to 67. You really don't want to necessarily struggle with Vanderbilt, the um, last place team in the SEC, as much as they did. Um, they still had 17 turnovers in the game. They still only shot 36% for the game, but that's because of how dreadful of a first half they had. Auburn shot 52% in the second half, um, had five blocks on the game and 15 assisted baskets, which most of those, again, came in the second half. But Auburn's got a tough one up next. Kentucky on the road Saturday in Rupp Arena at noon. That's never easy. Obviously, Kentucky is not very good this season. They just lost on Tuesday as well to Arkansas. Arkansas is a pretty good team. But still, it's the way that Kentucky's season is going. They're now four and seven in the conference one spot below Auburn Auburn's five and seven they're the number 10 team in the SEC obviously that doesn't mean anything for tournament standings or anything like that because Auburn's not going to the SEC tournament but they're one spot ahead of Kentucky right now it's been a long long time since Auburn won in Rupp Arena so they're going to be looking for that one on Saturday but it was a bit of a I mean it was still impressive for Auburn to be able to get that win Uh, at Vanderbilt just because there was a time when Auburn wasn't winning there at all. Um, They lost 18 out of 19 games at Vandy from 2004 to 2018. And now they've won two straight kind of turning that around. So for Auburn, the rest of the season 
is not nearly um, as easy as these past few games have been. And obviously Auburn only went, you know, we looked at this last week and I said, Auburn's got a great chance to go three and out here with this stretch coming up. You know, they've got two teams that they're going to be favored at at home. Um, and then they've got a road game and you want to get, you want to play the worst team on the conference in the conference on the road. That way you can use up one of your road games against such a bad team. And they only went one and two in those games. And so, uh, over the final six games of the season, you got Kentucky on the road. That's noon on CBS on Saturday. And then you come back home to play Mississippi State, another Tuesday game. Um, this is like four or five straight games Auburn's played on Tuesday. Normally they play on Wednesday, um, but it looks like they're going to do it throughout the, yes, the rest of the year because after that you've got LSU on Saturday. That game is in Baton Rouge. Then you come back home, play Florida on Tuesday. Tennessee the next Saturday both those are at home and then you close the season at Alabama which obviously still the number one team in the conference and so every team that I just mentioned besides Kentucky which is one spot below Auburn every team I just mentioned is above Auburn in the standings Um, and most of them are really high in the standings number one Alabama obviously in the conference LSU is fourth right now at six and four Tennessee is fifth at six and four and Florida number six Mississippi State Number seven, so you still got to play the number one, number four, number five, number six, and number seven teams in the conference as well as Kentucky. I wouldn't count on this lineup looking any different. Sharif Cooper is probably, or excuse me, Justin Powell is probably not going to come back. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit talking about looking ahead to next season a little bit with Sharif Cooper continuing to be mocked um, in 2021 drafts as a first-round pick. I'm it's not even, you know, oh, he, he may be a first-round pick at this point. We're talking over and over again. He's being looked at as a top-ten player. ESPN last week, I believe, had him at number nine to the Sacramento Kings. And then this week, SB Nation's most recent mock draft had him number seven to the Orlando Magic. That'd be a cool fit. I think a lot of Auburn fans would be happy with that, for him to be able to go to Orlando and, and throw some lobs to Chumo Kiki, two guys who weren't able to play together at Auburn, can try to – you know, combine for some star power in the NBA. But it's just becoming less and less likely that you'll see Sharif Cooper back in an Auburn uniform next year. Now, you never know. Um, you, you know, he obviously, he's got stuff to work on. He's not a perfect player. But NBA players are also, I saw this, <laughs> I saw this on Twitter today from uh, our friend Josh Vitale at the Montgomery Advertiser that, um, you know, NBA players still have things to work on just because you're not um, a completely polished prospect doesn't mean you're not going to turn pro. And at this point in the year, we're now in February, kind of approaching the middle of February, any player that gets mocked um, in the top 10 by somebody like ESPN in the NBA draft, you normally don't see those kind of players coming back to college. So if all else, he'll definitely test the draft waters like Jared Harper did after his junior season where or excuse me, like Harper did after his sophomore season, you know, he'll, he'll test things out and, and whatever that looks like for the NBA draft this year, whatever that looks like for the combine, he'll give it a go and try to see how he grades out and see what teams think of him. But I mean, if he continues this stretch right now, where I think he's probably the best point guard in the SEC, his stats certainly tell you that he's the best point guard in the SEC. I'd be shocked if he's not the first team, all SEC point guard, by the end of the year, a tweet today that I wanted to mention um, from Jared Burson. He's a researcher for ESPN Stats and Info. Sharif Cooper, he's got 202 points, 87 assists in his first 10 games. So that 
Um, you know, averages out pretty easily, 20.2 points and 8.7 assists. The only other freshman player in college basketball over the last decade to average 20 points and eight assists over any 10-game stretch. Now we're talking any point at all, you know, during the season, postseason, SEC tournament, you know, conference tournament, NCAA tournament, any 10-game stretch at all is Trey Young, who had that phenomenal season at Oklahoma and is now a star player for the Atlanta Hawks. So Shreve Cooper continues to be <laughs> compared to guys like Trey Young and guys like John Morant in terms of his talent level and what he's able to do on the floor. So probably not looking at him coming back next season, but obviously Auburn is loading up. You got Jabari Smith, the highest rated signee in program history, the five-star power forward. He's coming in and then you're also getting the number one player <clears throat> from Oklahoma in Trey Alexander. Um, the four-star shooting guard, a great scorer, um, a guy who you should go watch his tape if you get the chance. He's got a really, really good um, skill set in terms of an ability to score the basketball. And then Jabari Smith, obviously, is able to kind of do everything. He's what, um, you know, a, a Chumo Kiki-like guy. Um, when Chumo was sort of in his prime right now, Jabari Smith already looks like that. So six games left for Auburn basketball. You're looking at right now an overall record on the season of 11 and 10, 5 and 7 in the conference. I think if they can win two, maybe, I mean, three games looking at this last six schedule, because obviously Kentucky isn't very good this season, but it's hard to win at Rupp. Over these last six games, I mean, winning half of them would be incredible just because you're playing such good teams like LSU, Florida, Tennessee, and Alabama to close out the season. Winning half of those games and getting to, um, Eight SEC wins would be incredible, but I think, you know, winning one or two, getting to six or seven wins in the conference, I think it's just kind of right about where people thought Auburn would finish, and you did it without Justin Powell, which if you look at all the numbers, Justin Powell was, and, you know, if he was back right now, would still be one of the best um, freshmen in college basketball and just one of the best players overall for Auburn. So we've got to keep that in mind that he hasn't been around um, and he hasn't been helping out Sharif Cooper. He hasn't been a great three-point shooter like he was before he had that concussion and um, not looking super likely just because he's still not back at practice that he'll be able to get back and get back in game shape and get prepared to be able to help the team toward the end of the season. So Auburn basketball, again, on Saturday, playing Kentucky noon central time at Rupp Arena trying to win there, trying to get another SEC victory after they broke that losing streak against Vanderbilt on Tuesday. So now we're going to get to a quick break, and when we return, we're going to talk to Philip Marshall um, about some Auburn softball, a little Auburn softball break. Mickey Dean's team is pretty excited about this season. His great recruiting classes that he was known for um, at James Madison starting to come together at Auburn, and um, Auburn looking like a team that can maybe make some noise in the SEC this season. So we'll be right back. And uh, when we do, we'll talk with Philip Marshall. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And now we've got Philip Marshall on the horn, our resident softball expert at Auburn Undercover, 
com. He's excited for the softball season to start this weekend. Philip, obviously, I, I can't remember how many games they played last year before COVID-19 shut it down at seven, eight, something like that. Um, just in your conversations and your previewing and all the coverage you've had kind of leading up to the season, just how excited are they to actually be back after, I mean, just a, a completely wasted year um, where they were barely able to play at all. How excited are they to actually be back playing this weekend? Oh, they're obviously excited. Of course, they played one SEC series last year, then, then the plug got pulled. And, uh, okay, yep. Uh, it was uh, – uh, it's a strange year. It's still strange. Uh, you know, the atmosphere still won't be the same. Uh, I think they, they have 25% capacity, which will, which will amount to uh, somewhere around 1,000 people there. Uh which is is enough to give to give you to to create some energy in a in a small stadium, but it still won't it won't be the same obviously and uh, and they've had some I, I, to be honest with you I'm not sure how much but they've had some COVID issues themselves, uh, but I think they're fine now and of course the interesting thing and this is kind of the first uh, first time we've seen it is the return of. Uh, seniors who thought their careers were over and uh uh of course uh the, the most prominent one is is Alyssa Rivera who was who was having a great year last year and with and in fact in her last swing hit a uh, game winning home run uh uh but uh uh but really that they're really what makes this team different is the freshman class they've got it's ranked as high as number two in the nation both both of their freshman pitchers one of them was pretty much consensus the number two pitching prospect in the country, Maddie Penta. And, uh, uh, and Shelby Lowe uh, was right there too. And, uh, and it's going to be, but, but it's not just them. They've got, they, they got, I think eight freshmen, I believe, and they are uh, uh, all very highly rated. Uh, Mickey, Mickey Dean told me uh, a few weeks ago that, that, while he wasn't saying this was going to be the best team he's ever had, uh, it was probably across the board the most talented team he's ever had. Uh, a couple of those freshmen you want to watch, Michaela Packer can play like every position, and uh, I'm not sure where she's going to play. But uh, but Paige Garrity, Sidney Cox, Denver Bryant, Rena Felici, Kelsey Schmidt, and uh, Lindsey Garcia. Uh, that's, that's a sophomore. I'm sorry, I went too far on my list. And uh, Maddie Penta, for instance, also is, is potentially a great hitter. She she may be uh, she may be a two way player, which we haven't seen much at Auburn. Uh, and uh, uh, so it's going to be interesting. They got they, they got nine seniors, including uh, the ones who are back, the weren't expected to be back, and the ones who are normal seniors who who can still be seniors again next year if they choose. The only kind of drawback is uh, Tannen Snow, uh, uh, who had come back, has come back to, uh, for her second senior year, tore up her knee in October, and uh, it's uncertain when or if she'll be back uh, this season. But I think they have a chance. Uh, of course, the thing about it is, you know, everybody's got these uh, seniors having their second go around, and it's a tough league, so... Uh, We'll see, but there's a lot of excitement and a lot of optimism that this 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 he has for a while viewed this year as the, as the year uh, that he that that things would really take off. I, I think people have to understand 
the situation Mickey Dean took over, which is was absolutely dreadful. I mean, uh, all the things that had happened, the accusations that had been made, the divisions that had created, and uh, there were some players who who were ready for a change, and some players who were angered by the change, and had a and you know every coach is different, and he's different than. Uh, uh, than Clint Myers and, and his guys were. And, you know, early on you had players that had had seen great success and uh, doing it the Clint Myers way, and they weren't, uh, they weren't too interested in changing. So it, 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 it was a difficult time. And, uh, but this is the only, the only remnants of the, of the previous regime now are those, are the, are the seniors who are back for their, for their second year. And, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what lineup is because, as, as he said, you can't take a day off in practice because if you do, somebody up, somebody will pass you by because there's there's competition in every position, which is, of course, what you want. Yeah, good problem to have for sure. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people, I mean, people got so spoiled at the end of the last regime, like right. we talked about with the way that Auburn was. I mean, either they were either the best or second best or third best team in the SEC every season, and and it's not like Dean his first two full seasons. Uh, went 41 and 17 and then went 39 and 21. It's not, I mean, those are not bad by any stretch no, of the imagination. No, but they weren't, they didn't finish high in the SEC and they, right. They went to regionals. And of course, you know, going to regionals, if you're in the SEC, it's hard not to go. I mean, two straight years, they, they had every team in the league. Right. Uh, in, in the regionals. And uh, uh, so this year is going to, because they're still, I think six, uh, TBAs on their schedule, and uh, and they don't know who they're going to play in those in those spots, and uh, you don't know if games are going to get canceled because of COVID. He, he said he's he's not trying to he's not trying to worry about anything except trying to get fifty six games in, and uh, uh, so, but it it should be fun, and they they should have a chance to be good, especially if those two freshman pitchers are are as good as advertised, and then you got. Samantha Yarbrough, who was who was maybe the hottest pitcher in the SEC at, at the time they pulled the plug last season. I mean, she finished she finished at six and zero with a one point one five ERA, and uh, and you got Lexi Hanley who throws harder than uh, than most anybody. Uh, she's had control issues. If she can get her, if she can get consistent, and then you got a KK Dismukes, another potential two way player, who uh, who was one of the top pitching recruits in the country the year before last. And then she got here and her, her arm, she was having arm, arm issues because of being overworked. And so she pitched very little her first year. And, and then last year, of course, again, it got, it got pulled. So, but she's another one. So they have five pitchers. They believe they can pitch. They believe can pitch at a high level. Uh, and he says, that, and the good thing, according to, to, to Mickey is that they're all different. He said, you can, it's a, you're not going to see the same thing when they, when you change pitchers. So they're pretty excited. And uh, the question is, you know, can they, can they really get the offense going, which has really to be fair not happened very often uh, in the last two or three years. Yeah. Everyone remembers all the bombs, the Casey Cooper, all that kind of stuff from those really, really good Clint Myers teams. But I mean, the pitching was still shut down. Michaela Martin, Kaylee Carlson. Um, that's really kind of the, the core of it. Um, Looking forward for Mickey Dean, I mean, obviously this, like he said, this is a great year, but 
Um, you know, they don't, I don't I haven't seen him really in any top 25s or anything like, anything like that because the no, SEC is so good. For him, for him, is it – I mean, is recruiting now that he has come from James Madison, where obviously he did very well, but now he's in the SEC, is this something – you know, Auburn fans should kind of expect is he's going to keep bringing in these this really, really good Well, they talent. had another great recruiting class uh, 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 in uh, November, I guess, whenever they signed. Uh, yeah, yeah they, they're going to have another top five freshman class next season. So, yeah, you know, softball recruiting is very interesting because it's not like really any other sport. It, it has a lot to do with connections. Because it, more than you're recruiting out of high school, you're recruiting off these these uh, travel teams that play all summer, and and uh, and that that's that's where that's where the best players are, and uh, so it's hard for me at least to 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 really get a grip on 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 those things, but uh, but by, according to all the uh, those who do, he, they've recruited at an extremely high level. Really, this this is the second straight year. This this freshman class is the second, and then next year should be the same way. Lots of talent for years to come for Mickey Dean and Auburn softball. Um, Philip is going to have the coverage. Philip, who do they who do they open with this weekend? South Southeast Missouri State three game series. They play a doubleheader uh, uh, Saturday and a uh, single game Sunday. No, the first two games are on are on uh, SEC Network Plus, which is streaming online. And uh, I got to find out about the second one, because the third one, because it doesn't on the Auburn website. It doesn't uh, it doesn't say anything, so it may not be on. You may have to listen to that one on the radio. I'm not sure, but uh, uh, it'll be uh, you know attendance is going to be limited, as we said, and it's going to be uh, just going to be interesting. Interesting to see, but uh, but they're excited. Assuming everybody can stay healthy, and uh, that's that's uh, the biggest issue for everybody right now. Then uh, uh, it could be it could be a good year. Yep. Hopefully they get all their games in. Hopefully everybody gets all their games in the season. Philip, thanks for joining us on the podcast. We'll be right back after a quick break. Get to our final segment. You're listening to the Auburn Undercover Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So talking a little Auburn football position groups talking about Auburn's cornerbacks a couple of just whoa um, stats that came out this week by a couple of sort of I guess advanced analytics websites about two Auburn cornerbacks who will both be back next season Roger McCreary and Nehemiah Pritchett and just the kind of production that they were able to have next season um, it really kind of brought up the question is is Auburn's cornerbacks room the best position group on the roster in 2021 that's something we'll get into and so the most striking one to me this is from college football film room which is a really really reliable source um on twitter during the season they're great at breaking down stuff over the course of the of the year kind of week by week and nehemiah pritchett um the fewest yards per target allowed in coverage since 2016 that's not just this season he only allows 2.9 yards per target 
And that kind of lines up with what I remember, at least um, thinking back to Pritchett's best games. He played really well against LSU. That's when he had that near pick six. He played well against Alabama. He was pretty much their only defensive back that had a strong game against Alabama. So when a lot of people started getting really excited about Roger McCreary coming back for his senior season, which obviously you can get your number one cornerback back, that's huge. And I was kind of thinking to myself, Nehemiah Pritchett might have been better than him down the stretch of the season. And then in talking to some people on the boards when I posted this crazy stat, talking about how well they thought Jalen Simpson played compared to Nehemiah Pritchett. And so he had, again, fewest yards per target allowed in coverage. The other guy right behind him is Josh Job from Alabama. He averaged 3.2 yards um, per target allowed in coverage. Again, since 2016, um, Nehemiah Pritchett from Auburn, who was sophomore last year, he'll be a junior. Wondering how that second cornerback slot is going to look. Obviously, Roger McCreary has got that first one locked down, no problem. But again, remember, Jalen Simpson started the year. He was sort of that surprise guy that we all said, wow, you know. Um, he kind of you know, took over Marco. A lot of people thought Marco Domeo might be the guy. And so Simpson was the guy, but then he was hurt over the course of the season. And that allowed more playing time for Nehemiah Pritchett. And he really, really showed out sort of an underrated star for Kevin Steele's defense. Now you move on to Derek Mason's defense. And I think he is one of their biggest, again, sort of an unsung weapon heading into this season. Auburn might have two of the best pure coverage cornerbacks in the SEC because Roger McCreary was real stingy too, getting into his crazy stat. This came from a pro football focus earlier this week. And now some people on our boards think what they might have pro football focus, but um, this is sort of a sort of an indisputable stat that um, you can't really you can't really go wrong with it. This is the highest graded uh, cornerbacks in zone coverage, purely zone coverage since 2019. And Roger McCreary has the second highest grade in the country behind Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. And for those that don't know, Caleb Farley um, is going to be a guy that's probably a top 15 draft pick in this upcoming draft. And then behind McCreary is Patrick Sertain from Alabama, who also is probably going to be a first round draft pick. Those are like the top two cornerbacks on the board right now for the 2021 NFL draft. So that just goes to show, again, that's not every type of coverage, but that just goes to show how valued a prospect Roger McCreary was heading into the 2021 draft. I mean, you were looking at us all around and Roger McCreary was a third, fourth. I mean, you saw him fifth round at the lowest, but at his highest, he was considered around a third round pick. That's what Dane Brugler, the NFL draft analyst from the athletic told us in a story last season was that he could see McCreary going as high as the third round. So for him to come back, you're getting a third round NFL draft pick back in your secondary as your number one corner. And then you look at a guy like Nehemiah Pritchett, who (laughs) I thought was better than McCreary at the end of the season. That's, that's speaking volumes about your cornerbacks room heading into the 2021 season. Obviously things are going to look really different under Derek Mason, uh, it might bode well for Roger McCreary because they might play more zone defense under Derek Mason. But I would probably give Nehemiah Pritchett the benefit of the doubt to be the number two cornerback alongside Roger McCreary. Obviously, they're going to use three. That's just kind of how things go. So you've got Jalen Simpson there as well. Marco Domeo got some playing time toward the end of the season. And then you've got three guys in the 2021 class, including Kamal Haddon, the Juco transfer um, coming in to play corner as well. So it's deep past the the top four guys, but really those top three guys were impressive last season. Um, but Nehemiah Pritchett and McCreary, the top two guys 
two of the best, not only in the SEC, but I mean in the country overall. Um, and so I, I should say that the Nehemiah Pritchett stat was in SEC play um, since 2016. So that's SEC cornerbacks, not all across college football, but still fewest yards per target for him. I think cornerbacks is going to be the strongest slash deepest slash most talented returning position, whatever you want to call it for Auburn in 2021 linebacker, I, I guess would be the number two. Um, you can make an argument too for, well, I guess, I guess you couldn't make an argument for quarterback. Quarterback is so valuable, but I don't think looking at what Bo Nix did last season, you would say that he's a better, he makes that position group better than the corners and the linebackers because it's a Kobe McLean, obviously tied for the nation's lead in tackles last season. I think he had 113 tackles, obviously the sec leader, and then Owen Papo followed up with 92 tackles. Both of them are coming back. You do lose KJ Britt, but he didn't really give you anything for most of the season because he got injured in the Georgia game. And you've got guys like Cam Riley coming up behind him, um, Wesley Steiner, Desmond Tisdall, and now Joko Willis, the JUCO transfer, coming in the 2021 class. So these are both really, really good position groups. I think Auburn has to lean on. They've got to expect – I mean, I know they asked so much from Zacoby McClain specifically Owen Papo played really well too but they asked so much from Zacoby McLean when KJ Britt went down I would expect more of the same next season this is going to be a situation where Derek Mason is going to say look we're breaking in some new guys along the, the defensive line is going to be fairly new besides the, the, the pass rushing positions besides the two ends because you got Derek Hall and you got Colby Wooden coming back but really those interior linemen are, are it's kind of a green room for Auburn it's talented really really talented um, I think there are some all SEC players in there, like maybe a Zachivis Walker and, and a guy like a Dre Butler, <clears throat> but it's, it is really inexperienced. So Derek Mason's got to lean on his linebackers, got to lean on his cornerbacks. You're going to be breaking in a new starting safety alongside Smoke Monday because Jamie and Sherwood is off to the draft. He, I think he's a great NFL draft prospect, but it was obviously huge to get Monday back as well. So sort of that back middle to back end of Auburn's defense in 2021, I think is going to be really strong. Um, and sort of highlighted right now by those two cornerbacks. And they're going to hope to continue this lineage that Auburn has right now of cornerbacks going into the NFL. You had Noah Igbenogany, a first-round pick last season, which, look, I mean, a guy that converted from wide receiver to play defensive back. And Devontae Smith, the Heisman winner, who's going to be probably the number one receiver taken in this draft, he said, I think it was last week, that Noah Igbenogany is the most talented defensive back he's ever played against. And I think he faced him. Yeah, he faced him twice at Auburn in two Iron Bowls. So really high praise there. And then you look back a few more years, Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean, who we talked about at the start of the podcast, they won two Super Bowls, or they won a Super Bowl with the Buccaneers um, over the weekend. And Carlton Davis was one of the best corners, lockdown corners in the league. Then you go back a little bit more. A guy like Jonathan Jones with the Patriots is still a consistent player. So Auburn is really, really consistent. They're really hot right now um, producing cornerbacks going into the NFL. No reason to think Roger McCreary will not be a first-round, second-round, top-round guy again because he was already projected to be that this year. He's got another year. He'll have another year under his belt in 2021. But Nehemiah Pritchett is really a guy you'll probably – You'll probably hear me talk, talking a lot about him. He was a guy I loved watching play in the middle of last season. So many um, pass breakups over the middle. He kind of has that quickness to come across. I really like his way, the way he defends in the middle of the field. 
And then along the sideline, he had a couple pass breakups that were really impressive against Alabama, sort of getting up there and, and jamming those back shoulder throws along the sideline. Impressive player to watch. I like Pritchett a lot. You'll hear me talking about him a ton um, as we move into spring camp, which will be about a month from now. It's crazy. Um, March 18th is when Auburn's got pro day. So it'll be spring football before you know it. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Please go leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed it. It really, really helps out. Can't say thank you guys enough. Um, You guys are the reason why the podcast works and why everything um, is successful at our website. So thank you guys so, so much for listening. If you did not like it, shoot me a message on Twitter. You can find me. Um, I've got my email account in my Twitter bio. You can find me on there. Shoot me a message on our message board. Tell me what you didn't like and what we can improve on moving forward because we want this to be something you guys look forward to every single week. Um, twice a week that you guys really, really enjoy listening to. So still trying to get it on Spotify. Promise we're going to get that resolved. Um, Thanks to Beats by Mordecai. You can find him on Instagram, Twitter, SoundCloud, all that stuff. Thank you to him, my buddy from Huntsville, for the intro and outro beats. He does a great job. And as you guys listen to his outro beat right now, we will catch you on the next episode. Y'all have a great rest of the week.